Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good Friday morning, and thanks for listening to Mornings <clears throat> Without Carmen. Yeah, she's at a board meeting of an organization she's part of today. So I'm Paul, usually the producer. Ben Holson is fulfilling that role today as I take the host chair. Even though I'm actually, Ben, I usually don't do the show sitting down. It's it's like, you know, I prefer doing the standing up. You're passionate, then you can move around and you well, can feel that, it, right? Yeah, that, that, I, I talk with my hands a lot. I gesticulate, you know, and so it just kind of... Is that of, what they call it? Gesticulate. <laughs> The things you learn on Mornings Without Carmen. But anyway, as we start off the morning like we usually do, and looking at our uh, our Growing Your Faith first, let me ask you a question. What are your hidden talents? Or maybe the better question is, what are the talents you're hiding? Now, years ago, when I was living in an apartment building, this is like 1990-ish, somewhere around there, and I had to go to the resident manager's office because there was an issue that the apartment was having, and one of his friends was visiting. I saw the guy around before because they hung out together. Now, this guy was an auto mechanic, and as we were talking, the guy who seemed like your average American guy mechanic starts speaking, I think it was French, and from what I could tell, he was speaking it like a native, like he, very fluently. And as we were talking, he said, yeah, I could speak like four different languages like a native. And I was impressed. And I said, did you ever consider doing work for, I don't know, the State Department? Just think of the benefit he would be as a translator or a diplomat or something like that. He said, no. What? Why not? Well, he said, I I love working on cars. It was his joy. It was his passion. And at one level, I get that. A lot of us would love to have a job that was just our passion job. But at another level, I was saying to myself, what a loss. What a loss. There is need for people who have talents like that, who have those gifts to be able to be there to help translate things for, from one, for one person to another who don't speak the same language. Again, uh, there's so many, when you look at the headlines, so many diplomatic issues, and if there are people to help translate, that would at least help de-escalate some. And there's those who just want to learn a different language. He could be a teacher of a lot of languages. Now, I can't say he didn't use his gifts other ways. Our conversation didn't go that far. But even still, my conversation let me thinking. He liked his gift, his ability to speak these different languages, but more as a more as a curiosity, not something that was benefiting others. So, how have you been gifted? The Growing Your Faith verse is 1 Peter 4.11. Now, we need to back up a little bit, get the context to what Peter was writing about, because Peter wrote this letter to these small churches living in a world that was at best dismissive of them and at worst outright hostile toward them. And in this final chapter of 1 Peter Peter is encouraging these early believers to live for God in a world that largely rejects him. And 
together be ready to suffer while shining the light of Jesus and his coming kingdom. Let's start at verse 7. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now we get to verse 11, which is our key verse. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will give uh, will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Now the doxology at the end that Peter, uh, Peter breaks into, there, there, there's a sermon there somewhere. Maybe Dan will work on that. Uh, we'll be talking with Dan Church again in just a moment. We did last week. But backing up, Peter mentions two spiritual gifts there. But there are a great variety of spiritual gifts, he said. The Apostle Paul offered a larger list in in 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another the works of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one uh, individually as he wills. If you jump to verse 28, same chapter, Paul talks about more gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, than, than miracles, healings, helps, administrating. There are a lot of gifts mentioned in the New Testament. These are just partial lists. So, so why did and does the Holy Spirit give these gifts? For that matter, why did God build into you the talents and abilities you have? 1 Corinthians uh, twelve seven gives the answer for the common good. And Peter concurs. Let's go back to Peter, who sandwiches this encouragement about using your gifts for the common good in the middle of this chapter, talking about suffering and persecution. If the fledgling, a fledgling church is going to stand strong and shine the light of the gospel of the kingdom of God, it's all hands on deck. The Spirit has gifted you to be part of his kingdom mission. Your gifts are not some curiosity you have, but not used for the benefit of others. Your gifts need to are needed in the body of your church community. Your gifts are needed to reach out to others in your world. So, are you at your post, in your church, in your community? Are you involved, especially when you see the need? You know, over a week ago, a gunman in Lewiston, Maine, took 18 lives and many more were injured physically, and a community, their heart, their community is wounded deeply. You know, it's great to have ministries like the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team that's been deployed in the area. But in the midst of this, there are already teams meant to serve local churches. And up next, we'll talk again with Pastor Dan Church of South Lewiston Baptist. He joined Carmen last week to talk about how the community at that time was dealing with the crisis— at that time, when we talked, they were still under shelter-in-place orders. Those orders were lifted. The remains of the shooter were found. Lewiston, Maine community now working through trauma, deep loss. 
Well, we wanted to connect with Dan to hear how his and other churches are working as agents of God's grace in their community right now. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Helping you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. This is Mornings Today Without Carmen. I'm Paul filling in and You know, it was good hearing that a young man in Etna, Maine, which is about an hour and a half north of Lewiston, was apprehended before he could perpetrate what he was calling Lewiston Part 2. That's good news because in a community that's already traumatized, another trauma was not needed. The the community needs healing right now. Joining us again is Dan Church. Uh, Dan is pastor of South Lewiston Baptist Church in Lewiston, Maine. Dan, good to have you back here on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you for uh, you know, following up, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. Now, we, we want to follow up because we want to know how you and, and your community, your church, and the other mm-hmm. churches are, are uh, doing and serving in this situation. Now, the shelter-in-place order, when we, when we talked last Friday, the shelter-in-place order was still in effect. A few hours later, it was lifted. Um, mm-hmm. Your congregation was able to gather on Sunday. What mm-hmm. was Sunday like for your church? Uh, it was, um, it, the anticipation and the, you you think of passages in scripture where Paul is describing like life and ministry and says, you know, always rejoicing and yet, yet always sorrowful. And I might have that a little bit uh, backwards there, but, but it is simultaneous, Mm -hmm. the sorrow and the joy, The, the joy is um, found in God, and then specifically in gathering, it's seeing each other again, being with each other again. It's realizing how much we take for granted from God and even from each other. And so uh, there was a, a somber joy um, to it, and uh, <laughs> pretty much... You know, many, if not most of us, were just emotional from from the get go. It was, you know, a, a, a service of lament, of grief, of hope, of promises that we are clinging to. Um, and uh, we we honored the, the families, of course, of those who died, of those who survived and injured, of our first responders, of which we have some in our congregation, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, we, we just, we brought everything to God, cast your burdens on, on the Lord, takes on a whole new level with something like this. Um, so, yeah, it just was one of those, you, you wanted to hug, hug every single person, whether you knew them or not, or ever mm-hmm. saw them on Sunday. And um, there was a, um, I, I don't want to use, I use the word bitter, but I don't mean in a hardness of heart, but like this, this, this severe mercy, uh, mm-hmm. like C.S. Lewis, I think, coined at one point that that we were trying to embrace and receive from God and then pour out to others. Got to ask you cuz you know as a pastor your job is to shepherd and this is a unique shepherd situation. How did you adjust the worship service or your sermon to address that to shepherd your congregation? Yeah, uh this is something we were you know praying through working through uh, as elders and uh oh my my guys were just of such 
I mean, they're, they're always of wisdom and help um, and thoughtfulness. So what, what we did is we, we just crafted the, the, the service in, in where we had intervals of specific prayer for the families, mm-hmm. um, families of those who were killed, uh, families of those who were injured, as I mentioned earlier, first responders. We prayed for the family of the shooter as well. As by the way, can I? Every church and pastor I've been with has everyone has been adamant that we be praying for that family as well. Mm, good. Um, and uh, so we and our songs were more of lament and from "It Is Well, Great Is Thy Faithfulness" to singing Andrew Peterson's "Is He Worthy." Mm, one um, of my favorites. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we, we have to put words, and God in his word has given us those words um, to express both in song and uh, and then, of, of course, in, in the message itself was challenging, but really just tried to bring it back to who is God and mm-hmm. th- that we have a God who is unshakable, who doesn't go anywhere for counsel. We go for counsel. We are, we, we are all in counseling, um, mm-hmm. but uh, God doesn't go anywhere else. Um, and then looking at a brief passage in Romans, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer um, was uh, kind of where we emphasized our mission in the days ahead. Again, we're talking with uh, Pastor Dan Church from South Lewiston Baptist Church in Lewiston, Maine. Hopefully, you know, it happened a little over a week ago with the mass shooting there. Uh, Dan, I got to ask. Um, did anybody else, uh, different people who just needed to feel comfort come to church on Sunday who hadn't been part of your congregation? Yeah, yeah. We had some visitors, uh, some first time, and uh, those connected um, with some of our with some of the first responders. I'll just leave it at that, So, which was obviously encouraging, as did uh, other churches in the area, um, which is, uh, you know, we're— we're praying God, you know, would, and he has, and he will uh, draw perhaps those who have maybe been away from God for a long time mm-hmm. to draw them back. And then obviously to draw people in who have never been in in Christ um, in, in, for salvation. Um, now, and yeah. I think you did something else as, as a ministry to them that hopefully will draw them into that. And that was helping them lament. I mean, it, yeah. We don't yeah, have a culture. Is, we don't have a world that really allows for lament. We have a culture that allows for uh, either internalizing or mm-hmm. or lashing out. That's unfortunately kind mm-hmm. of the world we're living in right now. But y- you offered a place for them to just pour out and just put it before God. Yeah, it. it, it you know, we've talked about this, uh, but I'm so thankful for just godly, wise men and women who in recent years have really helped, I would say the springing broadly, but evangelical church really go back into the Psalms and, and to look at this um, and not just the Psalms, uh, but in, in terms of song, but, but thought of words to put to lament because th- this isn't, you know, this isn't a, a great maybe strength of, of the church in, in one sense, uh, a lot of it, um, here in the States, um, and there's different reasons for that, but sometimes we don't even have a theology for it. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, if we're not rejoicing, 
like you know doing cartwheels or something you know just smiles then that must mean we're we're not we're not trusting god or we're letting god down um or we're going to give god a bad name because you know uh that that I, and you know all these mis, misunderstandings about who god is and how he does grieve with us he is the sympathizing high priest mm-hmm. um so and and you're absolutely right there's lashing out or these you know and, and here in new england it's very much a you know private mm-hmm. you know kind of thing um and uh but but god you know calls us to to grieve to lament to remember that this is not the way the world god created uh, initially um to to draw us back to to him and and a foundation that you know never changes again talking with dan church pastor of south lewis and baptist church as we continue our conversation okay now what? How are Dan, his church, other churches seeking to serve their community now? And I'm hoping in some way they can be a uh, um, a light and help to other churches because stuff like this, whether it be mass shootings or other tragedies, are going to continue to happen. Are you, are you going to be ready with your church to serve and to reach out? This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at myfaithradio.com. God has you where you are. He has you deployed for a reason. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio, and we're continuing our conversation with Dan Church, pastor of South Lewiston Baptist Church. And Dan, again, thanks for joining us again this Friday, because you did last Friday. Now, when you joined us, um, Lewiston was still under a shelter-in-place order. Now, a few hours after we were done talking, they lifted the order. And the plan was that morning before talking or after talking to us, you were going to get together with some of the other area pastors, if you could. You finally, I have been able to. So I'm going to ask, what was it like when you and your other uh, pastors Mm. in the Lewiston community got together? I mean, yeah. What was it like? Yeah. So we, there were some other area pastors and leaders that you immediately kind of pulled up a group text of of each other to try to coordinate something and we you know prayed through it and we what we did is we did a a prayer uh service of sorts us this past sunday evening Mm. um and we did it before there was a city vigil uh which we're thankful for um uh and there were a couple area pastors that were able to share there which is phenomenal it's great um as well it was an interfaith uh service but but what we did is we we wanted to just be a presence in our city so about an hour, hour and a half before that, um, we gathered as pastors and as churches. And uh, it it just, uh, again, it was one of those, I'd been talking with those guys over the phone, you know, on Zoom, whatever, you know, we could see each other, but to see people in the in the face and in, in right there in front of you and to give them an embrace, uh, it just meant way more to me. Um, and uh and and to each other uh so the the, the service was a, a, obviously a time where concentrated prayer mm-hmm. um and uh, for for the families for our city and uh we knew god wanted us to be there 
and it was uh it was a great blessing um so yeah that and then in the days ahead we were also thinking we still want more of a, a service um and so that's what we're doing this uh this coming afternoon uh, today oh, okay. uh, from 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 four to six uh a bit more of a service with uh, some you know scripture testimony exhortation you know prayer again um as i mentioned earlier prayer specifically for for the families and those who are affected in different ways um and some there'll be time of singing um as well as you know we're gonna have a bunch of food and some things like that just for to try to bless people uh in downtown lewiston and i mean churches everywhere in our community um are going to be there in their presence and it's been wonderful uh their their leadership and, and everyone's on board like you mentioned earlier all hands on deck and that's what we're seeing um mm-hmm. so many churches organizations reaching out praying hey is there anything we can do you know for you or the churches in the area so yeah that's we're we're grateful we have this opportunity um in that we know that god his grace is enough for us mm-hmm. and enough for us to pour out to others you know, it's great that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, they're on the ground there. They, Anytime stuff like this happens, they're ready to get in there, but they don't just come in and ride in and do their duty and then head off into the sunset. They, they don't do that. Um, I know they're working with your churches. And talk about that because as a church now, this is kind of one of those quick equipping moments how are you guys quickly equipping because thinking long term how you're going to help the community through this process and then also again let them know about the love of jesus in the midst of this yeah we're so thankful for the billy graham uh, association and the chaplains that came up uh they were at the <clears throat> some of you might have heard listeners that you know high school football game um a couple nights ago mm. And they were there still. Uh, I thought they had to leave that morning, but they wanted to stay and be in the community. <laughs> um, but they were there with us at the prayer service this past Sunday night, mm-hmm. um, providing just support, but also providing a layer of even, uh, I'll just say security for, for us as we were gathering, you know, um, outside. And um, and just I just thanked them. I went up to them, introduced myself, and, and you know, they said, oh, we are praying for you. Um, a number of people in our community um, and churches were, were, I think, pretty crucial to just helping them get situated up here. And uh, people were texting me, Hey, have you heard that, you know, Billy grandchild? I'm like, yes, yes, I've heard. And, um, <laughs> and, and they were, and I mean, what, uh, and, and they were gracious. They weren't, uh, they're just, uh, just godly wise people. They were not there to promote themselves in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to say, Hey, we're here to pray um, for, uh, for anyone <laughs> and to support the churches that were here. Uh, so, oh, well, we praise God for resources like that and, and men and women that support that ministry. You know, it's hard. And on top of everything, we're heading into the holiday season. And I know a lot of churches, they make these huge plans for the holidays, various mm-hmm. outreaches, all the special services and all that. And then you have something like this happen in your community. It's like, okay, take that plan and crumble it up and throw it in the bin. You have to you have to think fresh, because um, this is going to be this is going to be one of the hardest Christmas seasons for your community, probably ever. So, how are you? Uh, how is your church? How are you seeing other churches changing their plans? Yeah, I, for for ours in the moment. Um, well, we had our leadership meeting earlier in October before the attacks, mm-hmm. and 
we had done something last year that uh, our deacon had headed up um and uh, it, it, what we did is we we just said we're gonna we're gonna bake some pies <laughs> we're gonna pie give ministry pies. yes there we go <laughs> right 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 this is uh you're talking about spiritual gifts this might be yours out there you know um, out, you know listeners um and and we bring them to to different first responders emts firefighters mm-hmm. law enforcement um you know hospitals staff to the degree that we can and, and, and things like that um and so that was before and we we brought it up again just this past Sunday, I think just in passing, and we said, well, I think we're going to still do that this year. <laughs> uh, or we're still going to do what we said we're going to do just a couple of weeks ago, because obviously, um, you know, God's providence and his kindness. Um, and it's something our church just loves to do. It's something they can contribute with their own hands mm-hmm. and that they bring it to these people. So that's it's the church of Christ. It's the body being the hands and the feet. Uh, and and uh, which is really important because uh, just as you said, equipping church the you know believers right now i mean a lot of that looks like just use what you can use mm-hmm. that this this is not when the dust settles and you know the, the the press is gone um and maybe big you know um organizations are maybe out of, out of our area so to speak it's going to be us still and and it's and God knew that, and we're here for such a time as this. Um, and so, uh, to to use what we can and to bless and to be an encouragement. And and what we do typically with that pie is, uh, like you know, a card with our church name and, and a thing that goes to our website or a, a little book, a track, something you know, a card of how we're thankful for them and their work and their service. Um, so we want to continue that, and 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 that's something we'll do. I, there's just so many more opportunities going mm-hmm. on right now on the individual level. Yeah. We have several, several in our church who are public school, private Christian homeschool co-ops involved. And this, <laughs> this is obviously given an open door uh, for them uh, in these days, in weeks ahead to, to be wise, obviously, um, and, and tactful, but to listen well. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the hurts and questions and and things like that. So, yeah. Hey, Dan, again, thanks for joining us. May God bless you and your congregation, the others, as you work together to to glorify God and help Mm -hmm. the people lament and heal as you help them heal because he is the healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He, He is the God who heals. So, God's grace be upon you and uh, your congregation and the others uh, in that area. Thanks again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Paul. And if everyone could be praying for Community Baptist Church in Sabatis, that is a neighboring town, and a good pastor friend of mine, he has a service for one of the families tomorrow. Mm. And and just keep in mind, everyone listeners, keep praying for the churches who have services in the days ahead, that the gospel would be clear, that hope would be felt. Thank you, Paul. Mm, Good word, good word. Thanks again, Dan. Again, this is Mornings with Carmen. Carmen's out. I'm Paul. And yeah, as I mentioned, we're uh, heading into the holiday season. And okay, maybe you enjoy it like I do, watching some of the holiday specials I grew up on, maybe like the Charlie Brown and Snoopy ones. I know this is a weird transition, but there's a reason for this, because it's interesting that Linus, you know, you think about the Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Linus is the one with that mic drop, or should I say that security blanket drop moment 
in the Penis Christmas special where he shared the nativity story about from the Gospel of Luke. Linus is also the one that got really hung up about the great pumpkin rising out of his out of his most sincere pumpkin patch. Is Linus a little confused? Well, he Dan DeWitt says not entirely. Dan will be joining us shortly as we continue Mornings with Carmen for this Friday here on Faith Radio. Helping you connect the eternal to the everyday, this is Mornings. Today without Carmen, Carmen will be back on Monday. I'm Paul, and maybe this day for you, your everyday or your today is an issue of nursing a sore back after trying to do yard work like uh, Dan DeWitt did a few days ago. Dan blogs at Theo Latte and uh, joins us regularly here on Mornings with Carmen. How's your back doing this morning, Dan? Well, it, it seems appropriate for me to say, what's crack-a-lacking, Paul? <laughs> Chiropractor, <'Cause>... <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm a whole lot better, and I'm ready to be a little mischievous. Uh-oh. I think with Carmen gone, we should get into some good old-fashioned trouble. Paul, what do you say? Well, we can try, <laughs> um, but I actually wanted to talk about uh, some of your posts, including Charlie Brown stuff, because I love my Charlie Brown cartoons. Um, you know, the holiday <laughs> specials, as I guess you do, too, because, OK, the reason I brought up your back issue, because you were you were flat in your back for a while. And uh, yep. and that meant you were there on the couch and your kids were watching. Uh, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And that got you ruminating, got you thinking. It did. And, you know, I don't know. I was taking muscle relaxers because apparently I pinched something. Mm-hmm. There's There was something going on in my lower back that hurt really bad. And also uh, prescription strength ibuprofen. So I don't know how much of that factors into this, but watching the great... The, <laughs> and and also just lying around for a few days has an effect on one's psyche. So, no question. Uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> watching the great pumpkin, there was a scene. And of course, as you pointed out earlier with Linus, Linus, you know, so helpfully um, and memorably explains the meaning of Christmas in the in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. But in the Halloween special or the Thanksgiving or whatever, um, the most wonderful time of the year special, he 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 is a devotee to the Great Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And in watching it, you know, I you always when you watch old movies, if you're like me, sometimes I think there's going to be a different outcome, like. <laughs> Linus is going to have like the the, the breakthrough moment. Yeah, finally he realizes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. And it was one of those moments of clarity, though, for me. I thought, you know, this is kind of a helpful way that sometimes secular folks will talk about religious folks. And so, if you think about it this way, Linus is waiting for the great pumpkin, who is going to, as he says, fly through the air and deliver gifts to boys and girls, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which sounds very Santa Claus esque. Um, while in the meantime, his friends are out doing the the hard work, if you want to call it that, of getting dressed up, of going door to door. Um, of course, Charlie Brown only gets stones, um, but I nonetheless. Got rock. <laughs> yeah, I got a rock every time, right? Um, but essentially, they're getting the same thing that he's waiting for. And they're getting it by just hard work and doing what they know they need to do in order to get candy or gifts. While he's waiting in devotion to the great pumpkin, it could look a lot like religion. And in a lot of ways, we're saying religion is I'm going to wait to get something from God, um, what, whereas other people just go out and do the hard work of building community, of trying to serve others, um, of trying to establish relationships. They could do it their way. We're just waiting for this, you know, um, 
in Linus's case, the great pumpkin. And I thought, you know, that would be a helpful way to perhaps say how some people might feel about religious people. We're kind of like Linus sitting in the pumpkin patch, claiming to be the most sincere pumpkin patch in the world and and being very like scared to death that we have some ounce of doubt that's going to prevent us from getting what we want. Um, and as I thought about that, I thought, you know, how would I respond if someone did give me that comparison? Because mm-hmm. I think there's something something there. And well, so that's kind of the obvious of, comparison people are going to yeah. use. So that's right. But you, you took it a little deeper. Yeah, I tried to because, um, you know, if we can anticipate what someone might might be an area of confusion or even a meaningful illustration they might have, if we can anticipate that and think of how we might respond meaningfully. And so I think, first of all, it's you know important that we compare caramel apples with caramel apples. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And so um, I think the first point would be that in the Linus story, um, both it, everything has a natural explanation. I mean, the great pumpkin is not said to have some mystical origin. It's not the creator of the world. Um, and with the Christian story, it's really categorically different for this reason. We're not saying there's going to be something in this world um, that's material, has a similar origin, a similar explanation that we have that's going to meet our deepest needs. There's a category difference. Mm-hmm. And so we believe that there's another world that actually gives meaning to this one. And so I think that that would be one area of fundamental distinction between these two things. Um, second, I would say Linus believes in the great pumpkin without any shred of evidence. Right. And so, I mean, the, the irony of the story is that the great pumpkin is so much like Santa Claus. But at least for Santa Claus, there is some historical re- relevance. You know, there's a third century religious leader who was known for practicing generosity, who was mm-hmm. named St. Nicholas, and who apparently liked to punch heretics, too, as we sometimes <laughs> like to, to joke about. Um, and so Christianity in in is very different in that it's entirely based on historical claims regarding the person of Jesus. And there's a there are layers of arguments and relevant historical data related to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I would just say the great pumpkin doesn't really pass what I call the Pascal test. Hmm. You know, Pascal um, is the famous 17th century philosopher who argued, you know, if someone's wrong about their belief in God, they spend a life being sincere in devotion to God. In death, if they're wrong, they won't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and also, if a, if an atheist, someone who doesn't believe in God, um, dies in their atheism and they're right, in death, they'll never know either. And so the, the real problem comes for the person who doesn't believe in God and who's wrong. Mm-hmm. Because in death, they will be well aware of their error. And if Christianity is true, and of course I believe it is, then the Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And so those are three things I point out that are fundamental distinctions. This is a categor- categorical difference. The mm-hmm. Christian believes in something apart from this world. Um, second, there's good evidence for Christianity. And then finally, this makes an ultimate difference, not only for how we live here and now, but if it's true for the, the world to come. Yeah, that's where, okay, uh, before I read your article, I was listening to a podcast, uh, and they had this scholar on uh, who's uh, this professor Sarah Irving Stonebreaker and she was an atheist and mm-hmm. she because of people like Dawkins and more particular I think it was Peter Singer he heard a mm-hmm. speech now she she's an atheist and she you know wanted to get rid of all those religious trappings but it still had an ethical code saying you know these things are 
these things are good and right. And then when Singer was talking, it was like, oh, there's no need to have all those ethics and such. And that led to a major conundrum for her because mm-hmm. she realized atheism couldn't su- sustain any moral commitments at all. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden it's like, okay, just like Linus is trying to he, – he, he's trying to have a moral commitment, you know, to be sincere. And yet the Great Pumpkin's not – doesn't – is not real. And so mm-hmm. there, there's nothing to it. But God does call us to something real that does require moral commitments as it were. I just saw an interesting connection that way. Your thoughts? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, you know, if if we're going to think deeply, I mean, I think most of us, most of the time, aren't looking for some profound philosophical grounding for our moral instincts, right? Like, yeah. this seems right. I've been taught this is right. Um, and I think there is a good common sense way to view morality. But if we dig deeper, how do we make sense of morality itself? Um, how do we say that our moral impulses should be followed or should not be or better than someone else's? And that's going to lead us to a search for some transcendent source. Mm. And that's where thinkers like the the podcast you mentioned, Sarah Irving Stonebaker, um, that's where C.S. Lewis, um, as an atheist, struggled. How do yeah. I make sense of justice? And so that longing and that impulse ultimately is going to make us look beyond our culture because we're always saying things like what Russia is doing is wrong would be an example. Well, who are you in this in in America to make a, a moral statement on another on another nation? Right. Why, mm-hmm. why would you make such a statement? Because you believe actually whether you recognize it or not, there's some law that transcends your culture and that actually applies not only to you, but to to Putin, for example. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Somebody just wrote in um, on the text line at 877-933-2484. I always saw Linus and the Great Pumpkin as a spoof of both Santa Claus and even secularism. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Mm -hmm. Interesting thought. Interesting thought. Well, again, we're talking with Dan DeWitt, who is uh, with the Theo Latte blog. You can read a lot of all this stuff and more, again, at Theo Latte. Is it dot com? Dot com. I can't dot com. Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> dot com. Well, as we continue, have you ever gotten so overwhelmed with emotions that, I don't know, you either lock up or just can't act reasonably? I remember one evening when I was a little kid and my brothers and sisters and I were out playing in the yard. And let's just say things weren't going the way I thought was fair. In other words, it wasn't going my way. I was angry. So angry, I was screaming, I was beside myself, I ran out of the house, I shut the door and locked it. Now, come on, we're talking Minnesota farm, middle of summer, sun going down, skeeters everywhere. My parents were telling me, unlock the door, and I was just screaming, angry, no, because I wanted the mosquitoes to get to my siblings. I was angry. Does God act like that? You hear about God responding in wrath, but is it because he's in a bad mood like I was? We're going to talk about that next here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. 
And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Remember holding maybe your your first child when they're born? So many emotions. You're crying. You're smiling. Maybe you couldn't even talk for several minutes. You're just so overwhelmed with emotion. I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. Okay, think about God when he created the world. And he said, it's very good. Now, do you kind of view him as being cheery-eyed, kind of trying to cool himself down, flapping his hands, overwhelmed, speechless? Does God get to the point where his emotions overwhelm him? Is he moody? <laughs> Dan, you, you had me thinking about this with you, one of your blogs recently. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, I, this is a, the doctrine is referred to as impassibility. And, That's a big uh, word. It, it is a big word. And sometimes it's defined by as saying that God can't be um, moved to do something or, or experience suffering as a result of another being. And um, essentially that we can't force God's hand by something that we do. And we also can't force his heart, as it were, um, that God's, God's emotional state, right, um, is not related to in any way um, outside sources. And so there's kind of a cold way to talk about this doctrine that doesn't seem to fit with the way we read Scripture. And so we read Scripture and we see that God is angry here or that God delights in something here. So how do we we make sense of these things? And I I think that, you know, the Westminster um, Shorter Catechism says that God is a pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions. And you could read that and think, well, but it seems like God has passions in the Bible. Yeah, he's and not I, stoic. He's, he's not just— That's kind of, right. He's not some Vulcan, you know, trying to that's, do away that, with all emotion. No. He's not He's not Spock, right? No. Um, and also, we're made in God's image. And so there is some, to some degree, something about our experience— that is a reflection of what it means to to be in the image of God. We are, we have emotions. The problem that we have though, is that our emotions often are often disproportionate to the situations and are not perfectly calibrated with our, our moral, our bearings, like we talked about earlier. Like, right? like when and I so, was having trouble with my brothers and sisters and I locked the doors so the mosquitoes would get them. Something like that. I would argue. I would argue that you, what you were doing there was perfectly aligned with your character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, but you know that's a good example though, because we'll often emotion will lead us to do something that we'll later apologize for and for being out of character. And so I think the doctrine of impassibility with God, that big term, is to is for me, and there may be people, theologians listening, who don't like this definition, but I found it helpful for me and helpful not only for my understanding, but to explain it to students, to say that God um, is not driven by his passions. Or another way to say this, that God's passions are always perfectly proportionate to his character. Mm. And so if you see a situation in scripture where God changes his mind as it would be described, which I argue in this article that that's the kind of language that's given so that we can understand what God's like, Mm -hmm. because God is so different than us. The Bible uses normal language that if we're not careful, we could take too far. So we might, we might understand that as something like, well, God actually changes, but there are, there are Bible verses that say that God doesn't change. For example, Malachi three, six, um, 
James says that you know every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Well, what do I do with the passages that look like it? God has changed. And here's what I would want to say to that. One, recognize that it is kind of human language. The word we use for that, it's another big word, anthropo, anthropocentric language um, that, or anthropomorphic language that allows us to understand mm-hmm. what God's like using the kind of language we use. So recognize there's that going on in scripture. And then second, it's not God who has actually changed. So when God has Jonah tell Nineveh, I will destroy the city, and then God doesn't destroy the city, it's not because God changed. It's because they repented. Mm -hmm. So God has a fixed emotion, or maybe a better word would be this. God has a fixed attitude towards every situation. So situation A, they were wicked. God Mm -hmm. was going to judge them. God also has a fixed attitude towards repentance. So situation B, they repented. And what we see is God's perfectly proportionate response based on his character. God's passions never lead him to do something that's out of character, but rather his passions, are, his passions if I could talk this morning, are always perfectly, perfectly proportionate to who he is, which means that we don't have to expect God to be in a bad mood and do something that doesn't line up with who he is. Right. So that, you, no, that, oh, so, sorry. Yeah. Somebody told me, I kind of used the illustration that like on a windy day, walking into the wind, which can be hard, as opposed to walking with the wind, you know, the same direction, mm-hmm. which can be relatively easy. Um, it, it's that same way with God's will. I mean, if you're trying to go against it, you're going to be resisted. If you're going with it, well, he'll help you along. Something that's like that. absolutely that's absolutely right, and you know I think that this should give us great comfort because we this doesn't mean that we always know exactly how God's going to respond um, to something, but we know that His attitude, for example, towards sin is always going to be disapproval. Now, God may operate in different ways to work a situation to go one way or another, but we know that he disapproves of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we should have, one, comfort in the fact that God is predictable in that way, Mm -hmm. or another word for that might be he is faithful. But then I would also say um, it should give us great comfort because if, if we are a follower of God and have experienced forgiveness in Jesus, God is not going to, at some later point, be disgusted with us. Right. There's not some later decision, there's not some later action that you could do as someone who's a follower of Jesus that is going to make God regret his decision to save you. Yeah. And so find great comfort in the fact that God is not going to have a bad day and which he never created <laughs> he never, you yeah. and which he never saved you. I keep going back to the line from a song from Michael Card, God cannot love more and will not love less. So that's so good. Yeah. Hey, Dan, thanks again for joining us here on Mornings uh, Without Carmen. Hopefully she'll be back in a couple of weeks when you join us again. Oh, we didn't get involved in any mischief, though. Not really today. Not much. Next time. Next time. Next Next time. time. Thanks again, Dan. (laughs) Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. Another hour coming your way. We'll be talking, well, with Paul Acey from, uh, from Plugged In. You know, Matthew Perry passing away recently. That's I know a lot of people reacting to that online. Paul's going to have an interesting uh, discussion. He and I are going to have an interesting discussion about that, I hope. That's coming up. Hey, don't forget, this weekend, Daylight Savings ends. So set your clock back one hour Saturday night before going to bed. Yeah, 
it's that time of year again, and then, yeah, all the changes we have to do it. Give yourself plenty of rest because that can be a hard transition for many people, even though you're getting that extra hour of no sleep or, oh, never mind. This is Mornings with Carmen. You're on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.